The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. There's so many games that didn't matter. Nothing I did mattered. Third, fourth, and fifth are all Grixis Death Shadow lists. So, ban Death Shadow? <laughs> is that what we do? Are you excited to get some uncards? This is unfucking believable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plain Suckers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. So, as we get started, Matt, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Again, Tuesday's typically my day off, so I've Must just been be nice. chilling in my basement, uh, playing Final Fantasy XI. Picked that up again, put Diablo on the back burner for a while, and uh, been saving Gloomhaven to play with a buddy of mine, so I needed something to play, so I picked up Final Fantasy XI again. Some crappy game they made 20 years ago. Uh, 19 years ago. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was guessing. And I'm not, it's not a crappy game. I mean, it was a wonderful Ooh. game when it came out. But when you look at its design compared to what modern game design is, it is lacking in a lot of areas. Yep. The biggest one is the UI. Yeah. Like, if you can get past the UI, it's, I think the gameplay is fundamentally it has sound. It's terrible user interface it sometimes. Does, it's menu-based like traditional Final Fantasies were. So, like, you're... You use like macros that you had to write yourself and stuff like that. But once you, if you play it for a while, that just kind of, just like any other UI, you just get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the players, people who play on MTGO probably know all about using relatively old software, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So this isn't even relatively old. This is old. It's It's been up. I've played it. Has it been <laughs> updated since I played it? There, well, there's not only have there been updates, there's like, there's new content that came out like last week. Okay. But um, the Windower that you use because the game so this is how old final fantasy 11 is folks you can't play the game in windowed mode or you couldn't when it first came out if you would alt tab the game would crash so people came up with third-party software called windower and through that you can put in add-ons and plug-ins basically mod it's it's been modded out if you've ever played world of warcraft you can a lot of it's just ui updates Stuff like that. Stuff that modern games have yeah, it's that not, 11 doesn't have. It's it's a it's an MMO, so it's not obviously modded for like new content or modded yeah. for like map redesign. It's just modded for better user interface. Yep. So the w- Windower handles a lot of that stuff for you. So it once you get Windower installed, it starts to play again. It feels like it doesn't feel like a 20 year old game, but like you're gonna have some shock with like <laughs> it's like ooh. When I played it. Once you get like a couple hours in, you get a rhythm, and it yeah. plays like I expect most MMOs that pl- to play. It's, it plays a lot like a, a free MMO in that it just is tuned down. So like free MMOs are tuned down on a lot of the like fine polish because they're most of your free MMOs are kind of cash grabs that yeah, are. Well, they sell you the polish. Yeah, they sell you the polish. Um, this obviously just came out before the polish was common, so it, yeah. it feels like a bit of a a lower quality modern cash grab game, but obviously it's not. It's a well-made game from 20 years ago that has a ton of content. It was up until a year or two ago. I don't remember exactly when. It was actually Square Enix's most profitable game. Makes sense. Because like yep. I said, you have a, it's a monthly subscription. The reason yep. there still has content coming out is it's like 15 bucks a month, like World of Warcraft. Yep. And you have to pay your monthly subscription to have access to the servers. And thousands of pe- tens of thousands of people still but play people it. People do, so it's still raking in money, so they're still making content for it. Yep. I mean, I think Final Fantasy fourteen overtook it that's widely considered the best mmo if dark souls 3 had a 10 bucks a month and they agreed to put out a new dlc a year or whatever a new dlc every two years i'd sign up yep i i would pay for more dark souls 3 content so i get that so yeah that's what i've been up to how about you jake so last week 
we talked about how I had a horrible time getting onto Battlefield 2042, but I managed to get on it. I've since played a few more rounds with my buddy, and it was funny. Um, the last time we played, or two times ago we played, it had been out for a little bit, and the general consensus is this is the worst Battlefield's ever been made, bar none. It's disgustingly bad. It isn't even necessarily crazy buggy. It's just a bad it's game. Bad. Glad I didn't buy this one. <laughs> so, like, for me, the draw of Battlefield was... You know, at the time that I got into Battlefield 3, crazy customization. It had way more customization than Call of Duty. You had tons more guns to use, tons more items per gun to use, all that junk. And you could you could hot swap, not in the middle of the game, but in the middle of the match, you could pull your you could you could pull up the your I'm on this class I'm using the um, you know the M416 or whatever it is. I don't know gun names, I'm sorry. Don't at me. Uh, but you could hop in and you could change the sights on it in game. Yep. Whereas at the time, uh, Call of Duty games, you would make cre- you would create classes, but those are relatively locked inside the match. And so if you decided to middle the match, you know, I wanted a gun with a different sight profile or a different barrel, or you'd have to do that outside of matches. And so what I would do a lot is you or what I what I would do a lot is if you had ten create a class options, you'd have three of them that were the same gun, just different variations. Yeah. So you could you'd be have like, the three things you mainly yeah. you main. You know, just to simplify it down, if I want a flashlight, if I want a, a laser sight, or if I want a, sni- a scope. Yeah. And so you could have all of those available to you, whereas Battlefield let you change all that on the fly. On top of that, Battlefield 3, which is the one I got started on, it was relatively large-scale combat. You had lots of vehicles. The maps were huge. The maps at the time were were enormous. The number of players was also pretty high. Don't Weren't they typically like 20 versus 20 or something like that? It was 32 like that? v. 32. Yeah. That's, that's an... Well, that's a no. hell of a fucking fight. I think I think PC was thirty v thirty two. I think we were doing sixteen v sixteen or maybe twenty v twenty. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. At the time, this was like 2012, 2010, You had forty people bat butting heads against each other. That was a big match. The maps were never too big. I'm sure some of them were probably a little too big, but they just didn't feel too big. They felt full. There was always stuff to be doing. And while the teams were large, they were still small enough that you felt like you were impacting. So mm-hmm. like me and my buddy could hop on. And, you know, we could win games. We could hop into a lobby where we're, you know, we're losing by 300 tickets and we go start pounding out some objectives playing like Conquest, basically where you capture a zone and we'll, we'll win. We'll win this. Battlefield 2042 is 64 v 64. That sounds like hella fun. In theory, that number, it can be, I guess. But the problem is you don't feel like you're doing anything ever. Mm -hmm. I just, unless you had like two squads with you that you guys were communicating with, you just don't feel like you're doing anything. Yeah. Cause it's, there's so many, there's like 10 or 15, 10 or 12 objectives in the conquest we play. Oh, uh, spoiler. There's two ways to play. That's it. But it's, that's simply unacceptable in a modern game. So it's really hard to feel like you're contributing. So I don't, I think they went a little too big, um, on top of the maps are just too big. There's too much empty space between everything. It takes too long to get anywhere. If you don't have a Mm -hmm. vehicle, so what it's become is it's 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 vehicle field 2042. Gotcha. But it's all about vehicles. It's all about hovercrafts and trucks and tanks and planes because it takes so long to get anywhere. And so one of the one of the casualties of a battlefield game and having large scale warfare like that is, you know, there's gonna be times where you run into an area and you just can get shot. Yep. And then, you know, obviously it happens to Call of Duty and everything, but you got fucking 30 people on the other team. You're gonna be running around, you're gonna catch a blind corner wrong, so it's gonna kill you. I actually per- personally really like that aspect. It makes it so you don't get to just like relax. Like if you're in a fight, you're in a fight. So if you move too far from your spawn point, you need to start paying attention because there could be somebody around and just well. The problem up. is, so you can only spawn on areas you've captured. So you have to move to a yep. new area to capture it. Uh, it takes 
a minute or two, or a couple minutes of running to yeah, get there. That's that's the problem. And it's not uncommon to run all the way over there, get shot, die, and do it again. That's obviously no fun. So the way that the Battlefield knew this, and so the way they balanced it was by giving everybody a vehicle. And you can even summon vehicles now. You can be in a spot and be like, I'll press B, and I can drop a vehicle, if there's any available, yeah. on me. So there's just fucking vehicles everywhere. So there are four classes, and there's you know you can carry like a RPG, or you can carry a med pack, or you can carry like a motion sensor. And there's no reason to carry anything other than an RPG or C4 because there's tanks. Because there's just fucking tanks everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and so it's just awful. It's just so much unfun. So we played for a couple hours, and we were having a good time. We we treat it like a pub. Just we kind of go hang out. And after like an hour and a half, two hours, I was like, Dustin, I need to stop. This game is so bad. This is just so. Do you much, guys want to go play Battlefield? 3? This is so much not fun. This is awful because it's just not. So uh, on top of the maps are too big. There's too many vehicles. Like I said there's two ways to play. You can play Conquest, which is essentially there's you have to go capture zones. As if you capture more than half the zones, your enemy will enemy will start bleeding tickets, and when they run out of tickets, they lose. And you can play. It's not called domination, but something like that, where you're basically your job is you've got an attacking team and a defending team. Our team is to hold these two objectives. If we lose them, we fall back and we do it again. Wasn't that called assault previously? Maybe. Sure. But that's the gist. You know, you're attacking. We have to hold these two objectives. If you can take them, we fall back to our next two and our next two and next. And eventually we lose. Basically how a traditional war would be fought. Attackers are on a timer, right? Uh, They have a number of tickets. A number of tickets. They have a number of lives, a number of respawns. And it's awful, too, because it's just vehicles. So we played that for a little while. We bounced between them, and it just fucking sucks. On top of all that, there's like 15 guns in the game. There's just there's so little to be done everywhere. GoldenEye released with more than 15 guns. Yeah, I mean, it might be 20, but like it's... (laughs) If in 2021 you release with anything close... I think Battlefield 3 had more than 10 assault rifles in the assault rifle category. They had like seven sniper rifles. So it's fucking terrible. Luckily, it came out. It has a portal option, which is it has like kind of um, moving different modes of play, which primarily focus on the old style, the old games. That's yeah. how you, it, it, that's why we bought Battlefield Point Four Two. Is it let you play some of the old styles? And so we found we fell in love with. Um, you actually can play Team Deathmatch if you're willing to play Bad Company Two versus Battlefield Three. Bad Company Two is the one I played. That yep. game's fantastic. And so what it does is they have one team is Bad Company 2 with all the guns and attachments, and one team is Battlefield 3 with all the guns and attachments, and you play Team Deathmatch. That's awesome. It's tons of fun. You know what's fun about it? The maps are about a fifth of the size, and there's no vehicles. It's great. So we played that one day, and we were like, I, I'm done. I'm, And we weren't done playing video games. He's like, I'm going to go play PUBG. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go play Magic or something. I don't- I'd literally play any other game other than this. Yeah. And then we played that, and like... I've, I've gotten on a few times alone. We played for hours and we we're like, geez, I got to do dinner. Like, I got to go. That So, like, if you want to play Battlefield 2042 for the Portal version, it's actually pretty fun. And I do recommend that. But we had to find that the hard way because the two main ways to play on the main screen suck dick. <laughs> if you click on the bottom, on, like, the bottom in the Portal area, then you can find some. And there's, like, custom maps. So you can do custom servers and stuff. But So, before we go on, there's just one thing I want to point out. Jake makes fun of me all the time because I love to play old games. And Jake is now literally playing the battlefield that I played. <laughs> oh, I don't. I get you. I'm not a huge fan of Bad Company too. I played a bit of it, but I am a fan. I'm a fan of Battlefield Three, which was around the same time, I, 2010, yeah. so about ten years ago. So it's just like, oh man. But Battlefield Three is also regarded as one of the best yeah. Battlefield games ever made. I I don't disagree. I probably would have played a lot of it. I played a shit ton of Battlefield Bad Company too, so I just kind of skipped Battlefield Three when it came out. 
Yeah, the Battlefield 3 was my introduction. I was a big Medal of Honor player back when Medal of Honor was a thing. Uh, never online, always just, just the game. Yeah. And then I played a little bit of Call of Duty. And then hopping into Battlefield 3 was a shock because did you play did you play Call of Duty before Battlefield? I never I have never actually owned gotcha. a Call of Duty. Game. The difficulty jump is stark. Yeah. Like Call of Duty is so freaking easy compared to Battlefield. And it's fun. And I'm not pretending that people that are good at Call of Duty aren't good at video games. Call of Duty is fucking hard. Yeah. While neither of them are true military sims, because they're fucking video games, Call of Duty is much less a military sim than a Battlefield more is. Way more arcadey, way, way, way more arcadey. So jumping in from, uh, I was playing uh, the new Black Ops Cold War for a while because I needed something. I just really wanted to play that style of game. Jumping from that to 2042, on top of the game sucking shit, it was like, Jesus is hard again because like, <laughs> it's just, it's just Battlefield's hard. Yeah, and it's even harder when you've got 15 tanks rolling on your position and a like <laughs> and seven helicopters flying in and dive bombing you. See, Bad Company Two, in my opinion, really. Didn't emphasize the vehicles, but they were they were important. But it wasn't what the whole match was about. So Battlefield like, Three wasn't either, right? There'd be like one tank, or like one time, uh, me and Alex we were playing, and we just manned a helicopter the whole time, and we were wrecking stuff. But like we didn't like take over the game, and there was one helicopter the whole time. I believe the mistake they made with this was in Battlefield Three. There were tanks, there were jeeps, there were quads. Um, they didn't take over the match because. Anything that was really powerful didn't have very good mobility. You know, they had ATVs, they had um, armor transports, and they had, but they were slow because yeah. they're meant to be armored, lumbering. They they they're meant to take objectives and push on things, but they're relatively easy to destroy. Mm-hmm. So right now, the big thing about 2042 is the hovercraft is just this ungodly monster of a machine because it's so fast. It has such high mobility. It doesn't have a cannon on it, but it's got you know basically. Gatling guns or whatever. So the ability for it to move into a location, shoot a bunch of people, and then take some hits and clear out, mm-hmm. because the thing they also added to this, which it might not be a new thing to Battlefield in general, but vehicles heal now. How was that? See, they just in heal. Bad Company too. You had to be. I think yeah. it was an engine. You had to actually in repair. Ba- in Battlefield Three, you had to get a repair torch and repair. You had to yeah. get out and repair your tank. Um, whereas this, no, you just go drive away. You sit for a minute and it heals and itself. it will heal and you can come back in. They made a lot of bad decisions, in my opinion, with Twenty Forty Two supposedly it'll get uh, changed. Supposedly it'll fix it. Uh, I'll give you a quick fun stat before we move. That's the last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll move on to the legacy. Uh, I saw an article for video games that said Steam currently had more Steam players playing Farming Simulator 22 than were playing Battlefield 2042. Sounds about right. Yep. Did it say how many people were playing Battlefield? No, I didn't read it. Okay. They might have, but I didn't read it. But there were more people interested in playing Farming Simulator than the new AAA title... If it was, Battlefield. If it was in the tens of thousands, there's also more people playing Final Fantasy XI than are playing that. <laughs> That's how bad yes. 2042 is doing. That's hilarious. How's Legacy doing? Uh, mediocre. Yeah. Um, so we didn't do challenges this week. We had a uh, PTQ. Uh, so we don't have a top to thir- 32 to talk about. We just got a top 16. So there's going to be a little less data, but it is in it is in theory a higher stakes uh, tournament. So there should be people bringing their A game again, and there's definitely some names on here I recognize. So like that makes sense. Overall, it doesn't look bad. Some of the recent legacy hasn't been looking bad. Yeah, like, and we got into a real slump. It's not atrocious. Yeah, lately, I, and that's something we'll talk about. But and Jake and I each have our own theories about that, and we agree on some stuff and disagree on some other stuff, but. As far as this tournament goes, uh, it was taken down by Four Color Zenith. Yay, Talisker. Yep. So still a lot of meat. <laughs> the meat pie of legacy. <laughs> the meat pie of legacy. 
One day um, we'll get Legacy to, or we'll get Julian to say it on his podcast if yeah. we just keep saying it enough. <laughs> We've talked about this deck a bunch. Uh, this one doesn't seem to be, at least on the surface, doing anything in particular that's like groundbreaking. Um, I'm not super familiar with the deck, so uh, it look it looks it very looks similar. Pretty stock. I mean, with these kind of decks, there's always going to be a little bit of variation because you have 80 cards, and that since it's not like a linear game plan, you can kind of customize it a little bit. There's some cards you have to have because they're too good to not run. But then within that, you kind of have a couple. It's also very toolboxy, so people will adjust it to their needs. You know, and whatever they think the meta is going to be like. Uh, this one's running one endurance. I've seen lists running all four, like right. full four ofs. It's not uncommon to see these numbers get tweaked. It's not uncommon to see um, you know, a single one of get replaced with something else. Right. This looks relatively stock to me. I maintain that I wouldn't enjoy playing this deck. It's running 10 cantrips, uh, ponder, brainstorm, two preordain. If uh, Derek's listening, yeah, it's got four... Oh, it's got four abundant grow, so it doesn't ha it doesn't even have the uh what is that one green to search for a land or non land abundant harvest, yeah. so it doesn't even have those. And I maintain that ten cantrips in an eighty card deck is not that many. It's a lot, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It, it is enough that would sway me to want to play a deck like this. You know, we've seen it be putting great numbers up on Eternal Weekend. It's obviously won this challenge. It's an incredibly powerful list. This falls into the category for me. It's a good deck that I don't want to play. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think I would enjoy this game plan. Now I'm gonna say that in a year and a half and be like, oh my god, I finally bought into yeah into four into seven color zenith. By that point, we'll talk about that later. I've got my sixth color. I got my sixth dual land, so I can run all the duels. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got is it Delver? Shouldn't come as any surprise that blue red Delver is doing its thing. Yep. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I expect to see a a Delver deck in the top eight of most challenges. Yep. And to be fair. That's not an unrealist. That's not an unreasonable expectation. There's nothing wrong with having tempo in a format. The there is a little bit of spice in this one. Uh, this card saw some play over Eternal Weekend. It's called Dead and Gone. Um, if you're an older player, you know exactly what this card does. It's a split card. Uh, dead is deals two damage to target creature as an instant one red. Gone is three mana, uh, two generic and a red to return target creature you don't control to its owner's hand. It gives you a fair bit of flexibility. Um, obviously that to me reads mirror breaker it gone has gone has hits a couple real key things obviously can bounce your opponent's merc tide that's probably going to be the what it hits the most yeah handles a uh merit lage pretty well <laughs> so and and while having the utility of also being able to handle a rat turn one ragavan or drc or i Quarian guess calling it, a, it may not be a mirror breaker i was thinking about that three mana in the mirror is a little ridiculous the yeah. idea that you have three mana against a an is it an is it deck when you don't run a single basic? This probably isn't a mirror breaker. This probably is a toolbox card. It the the shock does tag most of the things that are relevant in the early game, and then if you get to a late game, gone answers your big fatties. There is a chance it bounces a Murktide, but it also bounces Merit Lage. It also bounces Uro if you're in a real pinch. It bounces. It could bounce an Endurance if you're in a pinch. Yep. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just the having the dead in there. This card wouldn't see play, I don't think, if Ragavan wasn't so prevalent. But having a card that has almost no downside, but has a pretty big potential like yeah. utility and really important. It's one of those things where it doesn't hit a whole lot of things efficiently, but the things it hits, it really needs to hit. Like you're willing to pay three to get rid of a merit lady. If you hit um if you got if you were to ban Ragavan and the deck would still have eight bonkers one drops with one toughness. I bet I bet Dead and Gone would still see some play probably. That that's a, the that, at that point Delver is hitting every single game 
I'm sure there's games that won't, but I think if you ban Merktide, it wouldn't though, because then I think you, I think Gutshot's just better at that point. Do you think you, you think the Gone loses enough play that they wouldn't even be interested in it at all if they yeah. can't bounce on Merktide? That that's how I would look at that. Like you kind of need a critical mass of creatures that are worth casting Gone on. What it is is it's creatures that are unboltable or unholy heatable. Right, unholy heatable. <laughs> unholy heatable. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, so that was again. That's awesome play in uh, Eternal Weekend. I'm not surprised to see it pop up again. I think that's I'm, really interesting. I, we can still argue that Isadelver is probably still one of the best decks in Legacy based on win rates, based on percentages. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would say it's probably the best deck in Legacy. Probably, at least the best deck that puts up numbers. I think you could argue that. You know, we've talked about like Doomsday might be the best deck. Not enough people play it. It's too hard to play. Right. Is it is probably the best performing deck or very very close. Um, next up in third, we've got Reanimator, uh, Black Red. Let's see, uh, Sarah's Emissary, while isn't super spicy, I think it's... <laughs> it's running an Archon of Cruelty in the main. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, sitting down across Archon of Cruelty the other night was frustrating as fuck. You should I, play him. He's really good. He's just another one of those cards, like, all of Modern and Legacy right now are just design mistakes. In A lot so, of, yeah, mostly. Now, at least with Archon of Cruelty... He costs eight, and there's no way to. He, he's not like Uro, where you can reduce that cost or yeah. recast him or anything like I that. I think uh, you mean um, you don't mean Uro. You mean Merktide. Well, or he does. He I'm comparing him to Uro because he does a very similar thing. Yeah, but he doesn't have the cost reduction of Merktide. But yeah, he That's what I'm, he does give you the value. He gives you the value of uh, a similar value of Uro, but he's not nearly as cheap. Like that's one of the like if Uro costs seven every time. In you case there's a legacy player listening that doesn't play modern, Archon of Cruelty is six black black for a six six with flying. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacks a creature or a planeswalker, discards a card and loses three life, and then you draw a card and gain three life. You basically get to play Uro and Croaks at the same time. Right. Where, like, you're drawing a card, gaining some, they discard a card, lose some, and they also lose a creature or a planeswalker on the way out. It's become it's, a modern powerhouse and basically created modern it's reanimator. It's very hard to beat if you don't kill it the turn. It comes into play. Yep. Once it turns sideways once, the value is, it's almost unbeatable. And even the, just the ETB, like... Like, the ETB I can get around, because, like, assuming you pay seven for it, the ETB's fine, or eight, the ETB's fine. If you reanimate it, you've put, in, you've put some cards in there to begin with, right? So you cast... You cast Entomb, you cast Exhum, you've already put two cards into it, you're relatively even, you're still getting ahead, and you should. Yeah, you get one, you gain, basically gain a card, if they have a creature. But when he swings again, and yeah. you start eating six in the air, sacrificing a creature, discard, yeah. like, I, sorry, when he swings and you effectively eat nine, sacrifice a creature, and discard a card, that card, it's very good. And this is something we'll harp on a lot. Look at Black Red Reanimator. Two Grief, one Sarah's Emissary, one Archon of Cruelty. These are all Modern Horizon 2 cards. Yeah, we we have dropped all of the um, main board toolbox creatures that you might have run. We still have a couple on the side. So you still have Inkwell Leviathan and Iona in the side for some of your free wins. Like, Iona is just there for free wins. Like, oh, they're playing Mono Green. That's easy. Yeah, they're I mean, playing you Mono get Red. Iona out against Elves and it's game <laughs> yep. over. And then Eagle Leviathan. Yeah, obviously, it's great at anything that's running a bunch of targeted removal because yep. it's just like, you can't touch me. <laughs> but the main board, so things like Tide Sprout Tyrant, things like a Sire of Insanity, things like Elish Norn, Grave Titan. We had all these other toolbox cards that had initially have just been dethroned. Uh, once again, for people, people may not know, Sarah's Emissary is four white, white, white for a 7 7 flying. And then as it enters the battlefield, you choose a card type, and then you and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type. So 
obviously crazy powerful if you're sitting across a let's say a blue red delver deck you know you have you know they have no way to remove it they nothing they can do deal seven damage maybe you choose creature so now you just you not only can no creatures block your stuff but you take no damage from creatures you and have, your creatures don't take any damage so you can yeah. block all day and then obviously if you throw it up against you know if you're playing a a blue white deck and you want to give it protection from swords of plowshares yep, instance instant. uh if you're going against like, like a it's a great way to shut down because let's say a storm deck yep you can easily choose sorcery and now you don't have any storm cards that can touch me yep which it, is something elves does with archon of valor's reach yep it's a great way to shut things down like that so playing against matt you know i, I would bring it in to name artifact because you would play affinity you know you can you can name artifact and artifacts can't touch you yep a really powerful card i i neither of these are remotely as powerful as grizzlebrand but archon's close and sarah's emissary is i would agree better than elish norn because you know elish norn's there for your creature decks and that just deals with it it does it in a similar way yep and is better against everything else that's the thing elish norn's probably a roughly equivalent to creature decks because you're it's really in there for go wide decks right and it hits most things exactly but it also can't turn off planeswalkers or uh-huh. spell or like instant source like it does so much yeah. more th- and it's still just as good this, as this gives you options i'd right. say i wouldn't you i you'd probably hard to say it's just as good because elish norn does kill the creatures it does. presumably but uh the flexibility outweighs the not quite as goodness of it yeah but yep we're seeing a bunch of mh2 cards in this reanimator and list this doesn't this shouldn't go unremarked it's a seven seven flyer itself elish norn is a four seven vigilance yeah like that matters a ton too. There's there are games where an Elish Norn is beatable. Yep. And this it's a, Sarah's emissary potentially is potentially a we'll say a four turn clock versus right. a two turn clock. Correct. That, that matters. That matters a lot. Not to mention Elish Norn. If they get it, if they get a fatty down, they can punch back. Yep. This can't. Yeah. I as an Elish player, I've beat an Elish Norn before. If I'm terribly scared of your your whatever board, your I can just name creature. Yep. And or if my life total is an issue, I'll just name creature. And now I'm not really scared anymore. You name creature, and as long as it's on the board, elves can't touch it. Now this probably wouldn't come up in most games in modern anymore. But we talked about what you should name against affinity, and a lot of affinity players, even me, still run the lands, uh, ink moth nexus. Mm-hmm. So if you named artifact, I could still punch you with that. It's not an artifact. Creature. That's true. That's I I just thought about that. So. Again, yeah. we're talking corner cases of corner cases of cards that don't get played in the deck anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. But yeah, it hits. Yeah, because you, you have no way to win in Modern you, Affinity, at least your build. If you name creatures, it gets Yeah, you, don't, you have no way to win. And there's yeah. no, you have no way to remove that. I guess you have. There's Naming artifact doesn't protect it any more than naming creatures in right, terms of removal. Right, you sorcery. And yeah. even then, or typically speaking, you'd name instant, because in theory, I could Galvanic Blast it twice. Mm-hmm. Which even then you're probably still way ahead. <laughs> you're not gonna have metalcraft if I have it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, anywho, yeah. The yeah. one more thing, this is running the full six uh unmasks, four unmasks, two grief. Yep. Good deck. In fourth we had lands. Take a look at that real quick. See if there's any spiciness. I don't want to go too deep into all these. We have plenty to talk yeah. about today. I, I see a re- I like I like talking about the top one or two. Those are the best decks. And Reanimator has a special special place in my heart. That was my first Legacy deck, and I have played a decent bit of Reanimator. Yeah, I'm, I liked Reanimator and Legacy so much. I bought into uh, Reanimator and Modern, and I love it. It was so much fun. Yeah, Lance doesn't seem to have anything super exciting. Then we got Reanimator again in fifth, which looks like it's just I mean almost to the card the same thing. I didn't check this side. It's you got a slightly different sideboard. Got Iona. Yep. I'm not sure why you run Iona and Sarah's Emissary, but whatever. Reanimate. Um, Iona, no, we were talking about Sarah's Emissary is good as the Elstorn replacement. So Iona is still there to lock out just a certain color they really well. They still 
do a very similar thing though i suppose but like you know if i especially if i'm playing against like something like uh storm iona is great against storm you can shut storm deck down immediately iona is too but i bet storm has more ways to deal with it yeah i i see it and it's also it's good redundancy you know the best the best thing about sarah's emissary that we didn't talk about sarah's emissary and archon of cruelty is they're non-legendary yeah so they dodge Caracas really well. Mm-hmm. But in that, yeah, I don't see anything particularly different in this yeah. list. Uh, in six, we've got elves. The uh, this looks like reclaimer elves. Green, white, black splash, or green, black with a white splash for Archon of Valor's reach. Matt says five color on the front page. Yeah, it's because of progenitus. <laughs> your commander, yep. <laughs> inevitably is in your. Um, don't worry, you'll draw it. Yeah, you. That's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not even draw it. Most of the time, it's straight up in your opening hand. Oh, you start with it? <laughs> yeah, which is one of the big boons to elves with the uh, mulligan change. It's like, you mulligan, oh, I've got seven, but one of them's a progenitus. Do you, that away. Do you often mainboard collector roof? That's a bit of a sketchy call, isn't it's, it? It's fairly common. I used to a lot. Uh, normally, elves would have one or two flex slots in, uh-huh. for like green sun targets. So you'd have a lot of times you'd have reclamation sage that kind of got replaced with collector oaf and a lot of people would run scavenging goose as well and you'd either have one or both depending on a lot of guys like if you're like me and you run 61 cards that that one slot becomes two slots that's your 61st card mm-hmm. typically speaking is two of those uh so it's it hasn't been seeing as much play in the main uh so that is a slight change from the norm but it is it used to be fairly common okay um it looks like endurance is just kicking leyline of the void out of its spot it seems to be kind of the thing, which is something you and I talked about when it was spoiled. So, well, Leyline of the Void never kills your opponent. Yep, never kills your opponent. It's not instant speed. It's way worse off oh the top of your deck. Like, there's, there are definitely things. So, like, I'd rather have Leyline against Reanimator mm-hmm. because Reanimator too fast. I well, typically speaking, the first thing it does before it tries to go off is it strips your hand. Yeah, and you know, endurance sitting in your hand is useless. We're running six unmask effects. Yeah. Correct. Reanimator is good at clearing the way. Correct. And Leyline in the Void dodges all of that. Yeah, it's true. And it's only it's a one shot. Like th- it being a one shot, yeah, not not Leyline, but the um, what's it called? Endurance yeah. being a one shot is is That's, impactful because yep. there are times that Reanimator can rebuild. It's Reanimator is one of those decks that you have to stop it and then kill it because it will just draw the shit it needs. Well, and that's the that's the thing I like about Leyline is most of the time, unless they have Reverent Silence, it's it buys you enough time mm-hmm. because it is so hard to answer. And it shuts the deck off completely. Whereas something like Endurance, yeah, it you can get them once, but then they're still able to play the game, and they could, yeah. in theory, just outrace you at that point. Like you're like, okay, well, we're going to start over again. You're going to have a couple fewer cards, but it doesn't take you very many cards against me to be able to go off because you don't have to fight through Force of Will or anything like that. All you need to do is go runner runner, and I'm just right back in the same situation against any deck. Just yeah, the idea like one shot grave nukes just aren't good enough against some crazy combo decks like Reanimator, where yeah. I just need to draw Entomb, Reanimate Dead, and I've I win. Yeah, and we're right back to where we were. Yeah, you need a, you now you need a second endurance. Yeah, the difference is endurance is much better against everything else. Yep, and kills your opponent. Correct. Something I've taught, I learned. Uh, I've played a bit of modern online, and I've started to realize it, and then just realizing it again in uh, in paper like. I God, solitude kills people really well. I told you. Yeah. Like I <laughs> never matters. knew I, I never knew how much I wanted swords of plowshares to kill my opponent. Correct. At the low cost of pitching a card. Yep. When the thing you're gonna swords 
probably is worth pitching a card too anyways. Pitching a card. Most cards now generate some card, yep, sort of card advantage. So much so much undervalued by a lot of people, the fact that like this incredibly overcosted source of plowshares kills your opponent eventually. Yep. You fucking get two of them. Like I've had plenty of games where they drop they'll drop a ley line or two ley lines against my modern reanimator deck. And like, you know, I may out my out is to hopefully remove those, but I also have the plan of Getting a few... Yeah, hitting your land drops and casting yep. beaters. Like, if you don't kill me fast enough, I'm just going to cast a couple three twos and beat you to death. Yep. And I'm going to kill... I'm going to remove your creatures while I do it. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that. on top of doing all that other stuff, it also almost always is a two-for-one. Yeah. At minimum. Because it's got flash, too. Yep. So you can... You come in, you flash it in. It's easy. It takes out the thing that it couldn't kill at, like, in the middle of combat. Yep. Blocks the thing it could. I mean... Gains you three life in the gains process. You three, yeah, it's... It's nuts. So... I've had plenty of combats because it's an ephemerate deck where it's like, move to combat, attack. Pop, pop. Yeah. Evoke, <laughs> ephemerate, block. Right. Yeah. Strong. Yep. Uh, in seventh place, we've got Red Prison. Uh, I'm happy to see a Red Prison deck finally doing well. That makes uh, one of us. They, they, oh, it should I exist. hesitate to say necessary evil because I really, exist. really don't like that phrase because it's if it's evil, by almost by definition, it's not necessary. Anything that preys on the incredibly greedy mana bases we have right now in Legacy, I'm, I'm okay with. And because, the all in on one drops. Like it's just it's just ridiculous how how just absurdly greedy our mana bases have become in Legacy. So I like seeing a deck that runs Blood Suns to knock to to knock down um, fetch lands and <laughs> no Blood Moon. What am I? Never mind. Does he run Blood Moon? What kind of a, what kind of? I I spoke before I looked. What kind of a red prison deck is this? You know what? Never mind. I take it back. Otaken, put Blood Moons on your deck, and I'll be willing to be happy to see it's it. It's still got Chalice of the Void. It still runs Chalice, and it's it still the, runs a Staring Bridge. Fundamentally, it's still preying on the same types it of decks. absolutely still a Red Prison deck. I just, I want to see decks that are running back to basics. I want to see decks that are running Blood Moons. I want people to be punished for their one basic land in their deck, or their two basic lands in their deck. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Because I technically run three, so. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and then in eighth place, rounding out the top eight, we've got Jeskai Ragavan and does not have Urza Saga. So that's really the two variants in these lists. Mm-hmm. So you got DRC, Ragavan, Murktide, the bunch of other stuff. Swords, Prismatic Ending, Force this Negation, is, yeah. Expressive Iteration. The best Jeskai cards. The yeah. Cantrip Cartel, a few uh, Dazes, a few Bolts. Seven um, Dual Lands. Five Forces and the best white removal. Three Reanimator lists in the top 16. A couple Zenith decks. Devilver, yeah, the, some the metagame summary on these is never that interesting because it's yeah. only sixteen decks. Yeah, it's only sixteen decks. It's it's interesting if if you see something. It's interesting if you see something really lopsided. Mm-hmm. This is good news. Well, depends on how you look at it. Whether or not it's good news. This is this is what I, as long as Randomizer doesn't do this, you know, three weeks in a row, like the idea that you hop onto a league or a challenge one time and you see, oh my god, Randomizer put up. Three three decks in the top sixteen. Yeah, it's Reanimator because nobody was prepared for it. Like right. Reanimator pops in once Everyone in a while. Shifted to endurance instead of late line of the void. <laughs> Reanimator pops in once in a while and it just blows everybody out of the water. And it goes back in its and hole. then it goes back in its hole because everyone refuses to lose to um, yep. Reanimator again. Everyone wants to play games. So until Reanimator does this three weeks in a row, it yeah it happens. Yep. This most, was the week. Most played cards: Brainstorm, Force Will, Ponder, Swords, Plowshares, Prismatic Ending. Hey, that hadn't changed. Nope. Uh, I think. Prismatic ending might be a new one in the top five, but only because it's 16 yeah. decks. Yeah, but Prismatic ending is usually in the top 10. Yeah. Creatures, Uro, Chancellor of the... This is basically Reanimator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Uro, Chancellor of the Annex, DRC, Grizzlebrand, Murktide, and then spells are the same thing. Brainstorm, Force Will, Ponder, Swords Will, Plowshares. Yep. 
So we were talking about, um, obviously, the legacy community is chomping at the bit for bans because Wizards basically said they were going to. And, you know, we're kind of in a lame duck format. We talked with Derek a little bit about how the numbers from Eternal Weekend potentially don't support a ban. Uh, we had one bad day and we've had we had a couple good days and I've seen a lot of challenges in the last couple of weeks that have been OK. A little chit chat on Reddit of people yelling at each other because it's Reddit. <laughs> yep. You know, bans have to happen because the format's terrible. But the numbers don't crazy support that. So I don't know how you justify the bands, but nobody's playing. So the bands probably should happen. But they've upped the number of people needed for a, a weekly challenge. So maybe that's what's done it. I don't know how I feel about it because, you know, these decks aren't owning the format right now. And we're seeing somewhat the diverse meta I want. The only thing we don't see that I'd love to see is more like creature based mid rangey decks. And what I mean by that is Maverick. Like Maverick a fair used non-blue deck. Yeah, Maverick used to be a mainstay of Legacy, where like you had to be prepared to play against a a fair deck. And you know these four color Zenith packages are probably what's coming and replaced Maverick, but it doesn't feel the same to me. And we don't see anything like that either. You're this low to the ground tempo deck, or with maybe some more controlling elements like Jeskai Ragavan, or you're a super fast combo deck like Reanimator, or you're this crazy dirtily deck like four color Zenith. But Legacy hasn't been looking terrible, and I'm not exactly sure why, because something's changed, and is it Delver kind of ran the roost for a while. We talked about that earlier. This is what makes this so complicated, right? When you have something like Underworld Breach, yep. or Hogak in Modern, or uh, Eldrazi Winter, something like that, where it's clear-cut, you may not know exactly which card, but you know which deck is the problem, uh -huh. and you know for a fact that it's a problem. <laughs> yep. When they're 50% in the meta... It's got to go. Yeah. Delver has somewhere between a 15 and a 25% meta share, depending on which tournament is, whether that's online and paper, mm -hmm. the win rates fluctuate a lot. I mean, it include that's, that's if you include, is it Delver and just together, which, which I would, I know they play slightly differently, but the, the cards we're talking about that are broken are the same cards. They share the same cards. Mm -hmm. One tries to utilize them slightly. They utilize them in a slightly different deck. They're different decks, but they're very similar. Yeah. They're similar enough that I, I'm comfortable lumping when them together. When we're talking about a ban talk, now, I think they should be lumped together. There will definitely be like externalities where you could show me a Jeskai Ragavan list that is not anything like a Delver deck. But I think a lot of them are yeah. very similar to a Blue-Red Delver list. Correct. This becomes complicated because you're trying to... We basically have a Jenga tower. It's gotten to the point where something needs to be pulled out of there. But it really only needs to be pulled out of there because... The format just isn't being played. Like on the numbers, these decks are fine. Sort of, yeah. They're they're borderline. I mean, and if we're going with numbers, there needs to be at least like the number can't change for what a bannable deck is. Mm -hmm. So if Wizards had said fifty five percent win rate is too high, if we're going with numbers, then you should have to exceed that fifty. Yeah. We can't just change I it. I don't think it particularly has for a lot of things. It, it did decent in Eternal Weekend, but nothing crazy. Right. The only deck that I what was it? There yeah. was one deck. I, I'm spacing it. There was one deck that had like a 60% win rate. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Keep talking. And Jake is going to look that up, I guess. But so I don't know how you fix this from Wizards perspective. I know how I would fix it. And that's a lot of this. This is the problem when you're in this kind of quagmire is a lot of this is subjective because we don't have the metrics to go off of. And that's that's one of the things you have to that typically speaking is used to justify a ban is metrics. Mm -hmm. The one thing I, the one metric I would say is 
like when miracles got banned it was like 12 percent of the meta and they cited that as a reason gotcha so i mean so is it delver by itself yeah. i think is 12 percent plus jess guy so on mtg top eight which is somewhat reliable yeah um blue red delver blue red aggro is 14 percent patriot aggro three percent right so you, you mix those together we're looking at around 17 percent of the meta you do a little bit of rounding we'll say that's 20 yeah you look at one in five of your matches as delver that's probably too many but would it def I think it's definitely too many to be fun. Right. And that's the problem. That's the problem. The quick jump back. Green White Depths had that's a what I thought it was, borderline sixty percent win rate across the whole tournament. Um, across all of Eternal Weekend. And uh, basically the Wasteland and Bayou events were way above that. Mm -hmm. But the Sylvan Library event, it was like in the fifties for like four hundred and fifty, yeah. so it pulled it down. So, yeah. so you, right around sixty percent. Yeah. And and you're gonna see that. Like yep. if you look at the winning decks, you're going to see high win rates yep duh but yeah like it, the meta share is probably what's the most important thing right now where even though these decks may not have the biggest win rate we're not seeing them dominating top eights as if we were they'd be banned it's just blue red delver to most people is not a fun game of magic to play i've been thinking about this a lot it's not a fun game of magic to play and i know from personal experience you walk away from a lot of blue red delver decks and blue, blue red delver matchups and it's easy to think to yourself and i'm not, be mostly correct that nothing you did mattered you had no chance to beat them. And that's, you, you hear about the God draws of Storm and the God draws of Reanimator. We didn't have a chance. You know, I had Chancellor in the reanimation. I had, you know, I had my Doomsday with Double Force backup on turn one or turn two. But Delver has this density of threats and protections and this incredibly fast clock that at just a lot of games, you feel like you had zero chances where you go, you know, you take games where you go turn one. Okay, I'll bolt the bird. Try and kill this Delver or this Ragavan. Nope, they got a daze back it up. Okay, cool. And they untap into a wasteland. And it's like, I okay, now they have a Ragavan and a DRC and and their DRC's almost turned on and now I have no lands. Or so you okay, I'll play around the daze and I'll 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 wait. And it's like, well, by then now they've played two more creatures and Yeah, now well, you're because they hit me with Ragavan, now they have three mana on turn two. Doesn't it doesn't even matter now. And then okay, so I'll 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 try and do it and I'll hope they don't have a daze. Okay, they had force of will. Oh, they had force negation. There's so many games that didn't matter. Nothing I did mattered. Yeah. That's why no one likes playing against Blue Red Delver. And to be perfectly honest, I don't mean to interrupt you. That wasn't the case when when what they played was Delver. Was Delver of Secrets. Yeah. It was strong, but it was absolutely beatable. You go, okay, assume that flips on turn two. It's a seven turn clock. It is. It doesn't generate any yep. value. It's Cool, they get to lightning bolt me until I feel yeah. like I need to deal with it. Now, that. when they got two of them, that was obviously a problem. Right. But, that's, but they got two of their four of. Like, you And unlucky. they managed to flip them. You're unlucky. That they, yeah, they, they pulled two Delvers in the top 10 cards. Cool. Like, I hate playing against Delver, and a lot of people do, just because it didn't fucking matter what I did this game. I had no correct options because they had, they had essentially, essentially three counter spells in their hand, and the value they get to just uh, get out just runs away that so quickly. You know, and if I if I dedicate all of my removal to this early threat and try and just just force through, I'll, I'll I will force the disadvantage on them. Yes, use your force of will, use your days. I will force through and kill this Ragavan by turn three, and then fucking Merktide comes down. It's like, wow, I'm glad I used my three removal spells, killing this really good threat that was accruing a lot of value, and now I have a seven seven on the board looking at me. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, two turn clock again, where there's effectively and, one card that can in. In the meta, not yeah. in Legacy, but in the meta, there's effectively one card that can kill it once it hits the board. And what it does, and what it's 
you sit back and if you're a good legacy player what you do is you sit back and you go what did i need to do differently and i i i don't know some games obviously you should have played differently sometimes you should, you should have, oh you should have played around days but it's like i realistically well, can the problem is and you have to make these decisions in the blind so you yeah, but, if you go well, what i'm saying to back you up here is if my opponent is on the play and they go volcanic island ragavan i have to decide without having any further information whether they have days or not, whether they have a backup creature or not, and all that stuff's part of magic, yeah. but that's what makes it so hard is the obvious answer is to kill it. But if they daze it and then back back the days up with a wasteland, I'm screwed. Yeah. If I wait a turn and they didn't have days, now they're accruing value. Yep. Now they might hard cast days. They, now they could, in theory, hard cast it or plop down two more threats and it's like, this yeah. is the other thing that happens. You kill a Ragavan and it turns on the Ragavans in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> like the number of times I've well, killed a Ragavan. They just, they just turn just, to dash a Ragavan hit you anyway. Right. So like there's, these cards are so strong that they force you to make horrible decisions. Yeah. As opposed to risky decisions. Yeah. That was the whole thing about days. Days, days put you in positions where like you have to make the decision. Can I take the hit here or can I wait a little bit? And then you go, going back to the Delver thing, there were lots of times I played against Delver where it's like, I'm playing a, usually a control style deck and it's like it's Delver. I'll get hit with Delver. I'll go down to 10. I can live. I can survive this, but because I can always pay two to just pay for the days if I have to, if I have to. And I, and like if I just hunt for removal, it's, it, it doesn't hurt me to get hit by Delver that much. But I looked across the board and I look at a DRC or I look at a Ragavan and I go, if this doesn't die in the next two turns, like this game is almost over. Yep. And what I was to finish my thought, what I was saying is like at the end of the game, it doesn't fucking it just doesn't feel like it matters. There was no crit. So you'll play games where you'll go, okay, well, I'll fight through and I'll try and I'll check, I'll do a days check. And you did it a few times and you lose the game because of it. Okay, well, I'll start playing around days, and it doesn't matter. You lose the game anyway because they got too much value too quickly. They had force of will, they hard cast the force negation on turn three. It doesn't matter. And what I'm getting at is in my opinion that's why you hear so many people screaming about banning delver delver has been the best deck in legacy in some fashion for the majority of the last five-ish years of legacy with windows where it wasn't and it is an incredibly unfun match to play because i would say unless you're a the top tier of magic player i don't think the bryant cooks feel this way i don't think the julians feel this way because they think in 5d chess they are better at it than we are but for everyone else that plays legacy it just feels like so many times it doesn't matter what I do and it didn't matter what I was going to do. I lost this game as soon as they played Volcanic Ragavan or Volcanic DRC. That's why people hate seeing it at 20% of the meta. And that's the thing is like, usually, because I'm in the same boat, I have felt that way. That's how I felt playing against Oko. And the funny thing is, that's how I felt playing. I didn't have that feeling. This is one of the things I like about Elves. I never had that feeling against Oko when I was playing Elves, and I don't have that feeling when I play uh, against Blue Red Delver when I was playing Elves. But what was funny, I absolutely had that feeling when I was playing Blue Red Delver against Oko, where it's just like, it doesn't matter what I do, the cards on the other side of the table are so powerful. It's like, okay, so I commit all my resources to killing Oko, well then he just slams Uro and that's that's unbeatable. Mm -hmm. Like, it, there's just broken cards and yeah. that's where you can it's, tell when cards are yep. broken whereas it does it almost doesn't matter if you answer the ragavan like yeah. it's just they yeah these it the, doesn't matter if you answer oko or this they just follow it up with another broken card this huge density of incredible must answer threats that if you don't answer they quickly run away with the game and there'll be some games they don't you're right but for the most part drc runs away with the game where they cast two cantrips and they've gone through their deck to find exactly what they need 
Yep. They monkey. It hits twice and they've got four mana. What? So that's why I think you see these people screaming about some bans for the meta right now because people will post and they are kind of correct that you look at this challenge. You look at some of the Eternal Weekend results. You look at some previous challenges and it's like, guys, quit fucking bitching. Blue Red Delver put up two lists in the top eight. Like, that's kind of a lot, but it's not that big a deal. It's just, this is the most common deck. You're seeing this the most in leagues. You're seeing this most online. And the games suck. And the games suck. They're not fun to play. And and that's why we're not firing Saturday challenges. That's why Sunday challenges have a hard time firing. That's why nobody wants to play Legacy. That's why we're all moving over to Modern, is the games suck. And the best deck in the format, which has always been the best deck, to the chagrin of many people, is good enough that it's just unfun to play against. Yeah, well, that's that's the feeling you have gotten. Like, I never got that feeling when uh, Blue Red Delver, because Blue Red Delver, traditionally speaking, wasn't even the best Blue Red build for a long, like, that's a relatively recent thing. It used to be Rug or Grixis. Or Grixis It'd be like yeah. Rug or Grixis. Yep. The funny thing is, when DR, when Deathrite Shaman was around, challenges were still firing. Yeah. the It had a... Oko fire challenges. Right. It, Deathrite Shaman, I thought it needed to be banned in the in like the like if we're going to use truth with a capital t truth it needed to be banned i wish it hadn't at the time obviously with the cards now it'd just be stupid mm-hmm. but people a lot of people were actually upset about the death right shaman ban because the games themselves were still fun to play yep. so i would argue that when i was playing oko during snoko the snoko era which a lot of people didn't like again lee still chat lee leak still fired i had fun playing oko mirrors I enjoyed it. I had fun playing games against Oko. I had fun building decks that worked against Oko. A lot of people didn't. I get yeah. that. But I would say, and I would say more people play enjoyed playing against Oko than enjoy playing against Ragavan because we still fired Saturday challenges. Correct. I would, and like that's just I true. liked it. I obviously it sucks, and obviously, but like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Oko play. I enjoyed. I'm not saying it should be unbanned, but I had fun. Yep. I don't have fun playing against Oko. Well, like even like I said, when I was playing Elves. I still had fun. Mm-hmm. The matchups where I didn't have fun was where I had to beat you on the ground. Like Blue Red Delver, not on the ground like in the game, but like, or I can't go over top Oko because uh-huh. you can't, you can't go, <laughs> you can't go toe to toe with Oko. You have to go under him yep. and you can't really go underneath him because of the way the decks are built. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't outrace him because yeah. he gains life. I have to just ignore him. Those were fun because he's still a very powerful called card even in those matchups, mm-hmm. but he's beatable. But when you're trying to use Lightning Bolt and your opponent's playing Oko and Uro, it's obnoxious. It is. Right. But it's the same thing here, where like... Oddly enough, with Unholy Heat, those cards would be a lot more playable. I shouldn't say playable, but a lot less ban-worthy. When you could answer Oko, the turn it comes down for one mana. Yeah. But, doesn't matter. We're not we're not in that world. Yeah. We should get moving on. Yep. But I don't want to cut you off. Was there, Do you want to have a final thought on this? We're talking about the yeah. legacy and like I said, people oh. are screaming about bans and the numbers don't necessarily support it. So the def- that's my defense on why I support bans. Yep. Yeah. The, I feel the exact same way. And okay. I, if you've listened to us before, I have no issues disagreeing with Jake. We have a long relationship built around arguing. Yep. I think he's 100% right on this. I can't imagine sitting down across from either Jeskai Ragavan or Blue Red Delver as a fair deck and expecting to have a fun game of Magic. Like, if I'm just... You don't. If I'm just going to play Reanimator or Lands or, even again, Elves, where I'm just going to just ignore what they're doing, then who cares? Then, mm-hmm. yeah, so they got slightly better. Whatever. But if I'm going to sit down and try to play anything like a reasonable, like a real game of Magic, I would not want to play against this. 
Yeah, when I'm playing, if especially I'm especially half the time or like a a quarter of the time. Yeah. Like who wants to do that? Eh, it's closer to a fifth. We'll be sure of the numbers, but but I'm playing online. If I play in like in the free queue just goofing around, I oftentimes don't play the matches. Like it's just, it's not if I'm playing in the free queue, I'm playing for fun. And that's right. I'm not enjoying this. I don't have fun. So I, I usually don't even play those matches. Yep. I have, I started doing that a lot more in the uh in the free queues, just goofing around. Like yeah, if the I start matches playing you deck, don't want to play, just goof. I just don't play. And I was like, I just don't feel like doing this and I'm doing this for fun. Right. I'm not I don't have any money on the line. All right, so. let's move modern. Uh, we'll go this a little quickly because modern looks great, and I don't have a ton to say about it because modern's awesome. Uh, we did go to a modern F and M. We went to our we went to our first local F and M for modern last Friday. It was a really small event. There was only four of us because it's yeah, a holiday, so it didn't even technically fire. Yeah, we we both went two and one on a little round robin type thing. We had a ton of fun. I took basically aspiring one of aspiring spikes reanimator list. Matt took affinity and did some fun. We had, I I had a fucking blast to be honest. I had a good time and a bad time, and we can get into that if you want. Yeah, Matt spent most of the time complaining about how good new how good new cards are. It modern is suffering. Modern is a, a good place. I will preface that. Yeah, when you are playing a meta deck, there is absolutely nothing wrong with modern. When these cards are playing each other, mm-hmm. the power creep has become so absurd that it's just obnoxious to play against some of these cards. But the flip side is. The two, two of the, the other two guys that were there were playing janky decks. So yeah. I had a good time playing against them. <laughs> we played I against... even had a decent time playing against Jake because even within the realm of these things, the power creep, we still have a game of magic to play. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly to the degree of what legacy is at the moment. Yeah. Like even in the games I lost to Jake, I felt in most of them, I still had a shot at winning. Yep. So the, the games you lost, I, you lost, we, we played some before you, you won our match in the tournament, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, we played a match before that where you lost both of them. In in fairness, you lost to turn three Archon both times, which right. doesn't happen very often. And th- that is something that, in my opinion, fundamentally breaks one of the rules of modern. And that's not really a rule anymore, but it was when modern yeah. was in in modern. Hey, you didn't it, lose it was, on turn three. You just the game was effectively <laughs> over, and that's just, what they talked about. The turn four rule, yeah, was you can't do shit like that before turn four. Now that is dead and gone. Yeah, that obviously. But the problem is, is I was playing modern when that was a thing, yep. and it's in my head. You're not hey. supposed to be doing this <laughs> on turn four. You only had lost, um, let's twelve life, discarded two cards, and sacrificed two creatures. Whereas I had gained six life and drawn two extra cards. That's assuming you didn't do anything turn one. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's assuming it was just Archon on turn three. Yeah. Not a turn one grief ephemerate yeah. followed up by an unmarked grave followed yeah. up those by were, a persist th- ephemerate. Those were rough games for you for sure. Right. And and that's the thing. Like these cards are fundamental design mistakes. There shouldn't be a card. Yep. Th- and I would say this about older cards too. Grizzle Brand should not exist. Yeah. He's not an accident. He's a pushed card. Yep. Uro, Oko, Ragavan. These cards should not exist. It doesn't matter. And this is one of the things Wizards keeps making this mistake. It doesn't matter what you make a card cost because there's always a way to cheat it. Uh huh. Like well, we talked about, like it's it, the Emrakul problem. It doesn't matter if a card costs fifty mana because Show and Tell costs three and Animate Dead costs two. Right. Reanimate costs one. There need Wizards needs to get its head out of its ass, and this is going to be an episode where, like, a I've been cussing a lot because I'm pissed off, and I have been since yesterday. They're always explicit. I know, but it's not normally something I do. And B, I am super pissed, and it's basically Wizards' fault. And we'll get to that. Yeah. But like. I'm we'll, not thrilled. We'll, we'll run through moment. modern really quick. There's a lot of there's a lot of meta decks here. Uh, first place hammer time. This is an Orchop hammer time deck with 
Hammer time gonna hammer time. I actually saw an article on Reddit. I can't remember where it was. I think it was like the Spike feed. But they were talking about like the best decks of modern. Hammer time was like number one, where it's like the best deck. It's very common. It's the deck just beat. So it's a deck. It's one of those things where like you know in Legacy you need to build your deck in preparation of playing Delver. If your deck can't beat Delver, you probably shouldn't be playing it. If your deck can't beat Hammer Time, you should probably reconsider playing it. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a this is a Luris. I don't know. I'm an idiot. This is a Luris um, companion Hammer Time build. I I think I think Luris is the superior version of Hammer Time. I've seen. I've seen versions of Hammer Time that don't run Luris opting into a Stoneforge package so they can run Stoneforge for like some cauldras or maybe some swords. And I I just don't think that's the correct way to build the deck. This deck is actually a mix. It's got Stoneforge. It just doesn't run the high end stuff. So Stone, Stoneforge Stoneforge yeah. is very common. Yeah. Stoneforge you, is very common because it always goes and gets your hammer. Yeah. Um, but a lot a, a lot of builders will opt into a into a wider Stoneforge package as a backup plan. Yeah. I think your backup plan should just be buying Luris and replaying all of your stuff. Right replay your enablers and replay your hammer but i'm not going to tell hammer players how to play because they're all better than i am begin with uh, this is just what i think is a superior list i don't see anything crazy new with this list um giving dm4x the proper time he deserves for winning the sunday challenge is cranial plating normally in there i've seen it um yeah. i'm not going to say it's a mainstay but i have seen cranial plating I mean, it before. makes sense i mean there's a ton of artifacts yep here. it's it's uh it's pretty pretty common if not always yeah. and then Urza Saga obviously your Ornithopters Memnites like I this is a pretty stock list yeah good list but pretty stock second place was Dredge a pretty <laughs> cool deck to see and I I'm not even going to say what a stock Dredge list is in modern I haven't seen enough of them it's been a while so you know if you guys are wanting to tell me if this is right or wrong you're going to have to hop on to the MTG Goldfish and look at this list and tell me whether or not it's right so if you want to you know call out and be like some cool spice in this feel free to hit me up i don't know what i'm supposed to be looking at with this and i'll be the i will openly admit my ignorance in this particular field of modern third fourth and fifth are all grixis death shadow lists so ban death shadow (laughs) is that what we do uh if that's the metric then you got to ban grizzlebrand and legacy that also put up three (laughs) this is three in the top eight though yeah yeah three grixis shadow lists um, Death Shadow is an incredibly powerful card. These also get to abuse Luris, which just I mean, Death Shadow is so much better when you get to replay it. They're running a bunch of broken cards like Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler. I love getting to run this Grixis list so you get to splash into Kroxa because Kroxa is just such a powerful finisher if you don't get to make your Death Shadow work. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of games where Death Shadow just isn't going to solve the problem. He gets answered too easily, he gets taken care of. Very easily. The recursive threat of Kroxa just be able to keep redoing it, especially with Aluris, where, you know, if you're in a pinch, you can just keep replaying him from your graveyard for two. Yeah, that's nuts. Like, don't escape him, just play him. And, you know, he still that makes really your opponent discard. You grind your exactly. Uh, I love getting to see the Kroxa list in these. I've seen it come in clutch so many times when watching uh, streams. Press of iteration. Yep. That card needs to go. Of course. It's also, I also love seeing, um, Death Shadow dress down work. It's just hilarious because it's like it has the hammer time conundrum where it's like, I'm going to attack with my 3 3 Death Shadow with three mana up. What are you going to do? Oh, no blocks. You going gonna to block? You going to put anything in front of that? No. Uh, it's a 13 yeah. 13 <laughs> because dress down makes it lose its ability to get negatives. And, yep. and in classic crazy. fashion anymore, dress down also draws a card. Oh, of course it does. Wouldn't be play like borderline wouldn't be playable if it didn't. Oh, for sure it wouldn't be playable. Like, and especially when we playable in all the decks it is played. The fact that that thing's uh, cantrips is ridiculous. Sixth place is Jund. 
again, I'm not going to pretend that I know what Jun lists look like. This looks a little light on the Planeswalkers for the Jun lists I've seen. I usually see a little more Super Friend Tribal trying to lean into that value engine, but under the pretense that Jund is just a pile of the best cards you can get without synergy, this fits the Jund list to me. We've got things like Tarmogoyf, Bonecrusher Giant, Kroxa, Ragavan, Renin Six, Liliana the Veil, which is noticeable and it's like somebody registered for Liliana the Veils. Yeah, that's you atypical. don't see that very often. Um, and then just the best removals in the colors. Um, K Command, obviously, because the thing's a beast. Eight Assassin's Trophy, Unholy Heat. Like, it looks like a Jund list. Urza Saga, Pyrite Spellbomb, Shadow Spear, Soul Guide Lantern, yep. and Force Saga. Yep, so Urza Saga with the appropriate. Um, Which makes sense. I mean, Jund is a grindy deck. Yep. It's cool to see Jund. You know, Jund really got a rebirth with MH2. It just didn't have the ability to hang with the best before MH2. And we're seeing that. Probably Urza Saga is the biggest pickup in terms of same thing with Legacy. Like we were on the ban Urza Saga train, and we have since moved off of that train because we see Urza Saga just propping up all these decks that existed in the, like the tier two, tier three range. And Urza Saga comes in and gives them this late game grindy plan to really be able to pick these decks up and push them into the top tier. And they don't pick up the top tier decks too much that they're unbeatable. It's the perfect mix. Like, Urza Saga does a great job of picking up these decks. Like, you yeah. just didn't see in Jund. The, in the current metagame, it is. Yeah, at least right now. Like, yeah. you just didn't see Jund very, like, hardly ever. And oh, now it's the same thing with Affinity. Yeah, I mean, you, you never saw Affinity. And now you get to see them. Seventh place, uh, the Is It Murktide list. So, if you wanted to play uh, Blue Red Delver, but you didn't want to buy four dual lands, I recommend hopping over to Modern and firing up a Is It Murktide list. These lists are awesome. They're crazy, they're crazy powerful. Four DRC, four Ragavan, four Murktide. And then just all the worst versions of cantrips and counterspells. And eighth place was a five-color humans list, which is pretty sweet. We haven't seen humans since, I think, the inception of this podcast. Yeah, it's, so. been, it's been a while since it's put up any yep. like real results. I was really happy to see it just because, yeah, you don't see it very often. Notably not running Ragavan. There was uh, some rumors once upon a time that, not rumors, there were some humans were running Ragavan for a while because it was just so good. Um well, it's just one of the things you had to test. There's a yeah. powerful one drop. Yes, it's not a human. We uh -huh. need to see if this is good yep. enough. So Treeborn decided to cut it, and that must have worked in his favor. So, unfortunately, I don't know what a human's... It's been so long since I've seen humans this in modern. This all looks pretty stock. Um, Imperial Recruiter is obviously a new addition, given that it's Modern Horizons 2. Uh, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you'd want. Humans is, typically speaking, a pseudo toolbox deck mm -hmm. um so imperial recruiter is going to function very well in that uh all this stuff looks pretty familiar um the adeline uh resplendent cathar is new isn't that a uh, crimson vow card or midnight hunt where is it uh it's halfway down it's a two of in the creatures uh that's um i'm gonna cut this out that's uh that's midnight hunt isn't it midnight hunt is the werewolf yeah so that that's something that's relatively new Obviously, given that the set's only a couple months old, that card's a fucking beating, man. I've yeah, that played against that a good. bit in the standard queue. Um, obviously, it's I'm sure it's fine in modern, but in standard, that is just such an unbeatable piece of crap. Where this this usually a two four or a three four that just keeps cranking out one ones and they, growing itself. I'm actually kind of happy to see something like I'm sure it's kind of obnoxious to play against, but they've been trying to make the uh, this creature has power equal to the number of creatures you control work forever. Yeah. I'm just glad to see that one's actually kind of see in play. Yeah, it's, they've been doing it a lot lately. Because the nice thing is, it does require you to commit to the board to yeah. make that good. 
And that does leave a chink in its armor, so to speak. Yep. Um, and Mantis Rider is one of my favorite cards because it's a good version of a, a Lightning Angel is one of my favorite cards. Gotcha. Just in historically, mm-hmm. and Mantis Rider is just Lightning Angel. Mm-hmm. And honorable mention, just because it's ninth place, Belcher. Yay! Yay! I Belcher's hate Belcher. Still a deck. I hate Belcher so much. I got my butt kicked by Belcher in the free queue a couple of days ago, where it's just like, as soon as they play it, like, okay, I know I'm on Belcher. I know I can beat Belcher. Uh, I couldn't beat Belcher. <laughs> deck is so good. <laughs> deck is so crazy. Yep. My man didn't uh, either didn't play or didn't top thirty two with yep. Affinity. The At one least guy. On Sunday. Yeah, the one guy that's playing on uh, Affinity and yep. Magic Online. No eight casts. Yep. So top decks. Nine Death Shadow decks, and obviously we see that in the top eight. We've got three of them. Um, 28% of the meta in terms of the top 32 this week was Death Shadow. So be prepared for those grindy matches. And what I'm guessing that means is we need to get some more graveyard hate. and like Because the removal's there. People are running the removal they need to for Ragavan, for Tide, for DRC. Uh, I think the graveyard Actually, is... Actually, you know what's missing in this that would really have screwed up the Grixis Shadows? Solitude. Swords to Plowshares is how you beat Death Shadow. And there's no, there's almost no elementals in this whole top thirty. Yeah. So the elemental players didn't show up this week. Yep. We don't have, we <laughs> don't have any shadow people. Were I mean, they're literally stomping. called money pile. And yep. yeah, no money pile in the top eight this week. So that's what it is. That's why that's why Grixis Shadow just came and beat face. And then five Murktide Regent. That is it. Murktide deck. Then uh, three Hammer Time. Now we're down to the twos and ones. Yep. So your most played cards: uh, DRC and Ragavan. Not surprising. Unholy Heat. Not surprising. Expressive Iteration and Mishra's Bobble. Top Creatures, DRC, Ragavan. There's Death Shadow in third place. Yeah. Kind of funny that Death Shadow still didn't beat out DRC or Ragavan. Correct. Uh, Murktide and Kroxa coming in at fourth and fifth. And then your cards, Unholy Heat, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, Thought Season, Bolt in fourth and fifth. Uh, Jake, since I know this is one of your pet cards, Drown in the Lock is in the top ten most played cards. Is it? I didn't. Yep, I did it's, not. It's oh, the, it's number ten. Yeah, I called yeah, that yeah. card. Uh, it never performed as much as I really wanted it to, but I thought that card was amazing when I saw the, it. The Grixis Death Shadow lists are playing it. Oh, that makes sense. Like it's just yeah. a, it's such a good card. It's a very it's good like, card. Any format with Fetchlands legal, that card is so crazy good. Yeah. The ability to destroy a creature or counter a spell based on cards in graveyard when they fill up so fast. Yep. All right. Is there anything you want to cover in modern or legacy before we move on? Nothing that we haven't already covered. Okay. So wrapping up our meta discussion this week, we basically have two topics we want to cover. One of them is a little smaller, one of them is a little bigger. I only want to do a couple minutes on um, the the secret lair anniversary that came out a few weeks ago. We're pretty late on the ball on this. People have heard about it. I don't want to talk about the cards because you've all seen the, If you care about magic, you've seen the cards. Yeah, if you haven't, the there's stuff. a new secret lair drop. There's like, ten, there's like eight drops. Go check it out. Um, there's some cool cards. There's some bad cards. There's some good art. There's some bad art. <laughs> I want to make a complaint and it's that why do we keep I, I don't know the answer is why but st- i hate that wizards keep making these really cool full art basic lands or just full art la- or lands in general and they keep selling them in these one of each sets because nobody needs one of each right i need four islands i need three planes and two forests i need, you know if you're playing standard you need a crap ton but if you're playing any eternal format you probably need between three and five of any given for your pet deck Yep, and on top of that, if you're playing in an eternal or non-rotating, if you want to get nerdy about yeah, it, yeah, it's just Pioneer, and there's well, I mean, technically, Modern isn't an eternal format; it's a non-rotating format. Yeah, I, I fact, we just I, call in if we're talking about it here, it's going to be eternal. Yep, because at, I, I at this point, it, Modern has it. more sets that are legal than Legacy did when Modern came out. Yep. So, anywho, yeah. as just a quick aside, you're probably only going to have one deck, maybe mm-hmm. two. There's a you know, there's people that are just 
they get a bunch of different decks or whatever. Yeah. But so you don't realistically, there's no need. Like I don't need picks like cool planes. Mm-hmm. And I you have, probably never will. I need three forests. Yep. <laughs> and you. <laughs> so it. the argument is you might need some for commander, I guess, because you'll have multicolored commander decks. But your commander decks run. They have a lot more basics. They're going to run 15, 20 basics. Right. I mean, on the low end, 13 basics is a is a very low amount of basics yeah, to need. Yeah, unless you're running CEDH. Yeah, which or a five-color deck yeah, or whatever. Like, then you'll only have a few. Like, my <laughs> Marin deck only has, like, I think, two forests and a yeah. swamp. Like, I don't know who they're marketing this to, or the idea that, like, people want one of each. Like, no, I want... I, this should be an a la carte thing. Like, if, if you're selling these basics, I should be able to go in and, and build my own secret layer of up to five basics. And the guy, I want three planes, and I want two islands, or I want five islands, or I want three three mountains and two swamps. Oh, and instead, what's going to happen is they'll sell the, I don't know the exact cost, but say they're, they're, I was going to say 30. It's 30, say it's $30. For a, for a non-foil, for a regular non-foil, it's $30 for one of each full art basic. So if you want islands, you're going to pay about 10 to 15 bucks a piece. And you'll basically get the planes for free. It's pretty much how that's going to boil down. So, because <laughs> yep. I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. Yep. If you want forests, swamps, or islands, they're going to be more expensive. Because you have to, 30 bucks mm-hmm. gets you one of each. Yep. It's the same thing with every sealed product like this. You see it all the time with like the commander decks. It's $40. If your commander deck has true name nemesis, your true name nemesis sells for 40 to 50 bucks and then the rest of the deck sells for a dollar a piece mm-hmm. unless there's some other yep. unless there happens but to be two the, the most recent is like the fierce guardianship you yep. know the brawl decks were 30 36 dollars fierce guardianship was a 30 dollar card right because people you would buy it you take fierce guardianship out and you get rid of the cards so they don't th- those don't matter yep fierce guardianship was the money card so now you're gonna have 10 to 15 dollar <laughs> yeah. pixelated islands which like, are cool you know the idea that you know if you play eternal format so you play modern or legacy paying four or five dollars for a, a, a basic land isn't ridiculous because you especially because you usually only need like three or four i'm looking at you derek mr 15 basic yeah basic planes <laughs> well at least he's playing white yeah good luck <laughs> that still should only cost him about 15 bucks <laughs> but like you know my reanimator deck ran two swamps my uh in fairness i do have you know if you're running azorius control like it's 2017 you might have a bunch but the vast majority of your legacy decks have between one and three. Even your modern decks these days have one to three basics. Yep. I need a hundred dollars to get the three islands to put in my deck. Now, obviously, you can you can you can use a secondary market, but I'm I'm purposely ignoring that because it makes the numbers bigger. It's just dumb that Wizards is intentionally marketing this to take advantage of the fact that you need multiple basics when they could easily. When you're ordering this eight months out, these these aren't these don't exist yet, guys. Yep. When you're ordering a secret layer, these cards themselves probably don't exist yet. The bundles oh, absolutely definitely don't. don't. That's how the uh, they it's how they were able to change will because this was just a picture that they had mocked up or whatever, and then they just edit the picture a little bit, and yeah. then then they'll send that file to the yeah, printer like, when it happens. These cards don't exist, so and these so you could easily tell them I I want. X islands. I like islands, and they could build. They could put them in a box for you, and they won't because it, it costs more money to either. Either you, Matt, are going to buy poorly pack them in a box too. Yeah, they could. From what I understand, these secret layers are just shipped like um, idiots. But you personally could go buy four secret layers to get your four islands, or you could pay some schmuck in Arizona to buy fifty and then pull them out and sell them to you one at a time. Like you're going to pay a lot more for these than you need to when. Like wizards is trying to cut out the middleman. They're trying to cut out the stores and they're just creating new middlemen and making things cost more than they should. And yep. it's super annoying. Okay. And the answer to that is don't buy secret layers. 
uh, that's yeah. been my solution. Um, so speaking of making things cost more than they should, propping up prices, Matt, we had a really big announcement uh, yesterday from Morrow himself. He hopped on and he showed us some really cool cards from the new Unfinity set, the new Unset. You know, we we both love Unsets because they're silly and they're fun. I bought a box that was unglued. You buy it at Walmart and they come with some pre-packed yep. decks. Like, ton of fun playing it. Lands were pretty cool. That's probably the, the best thing out of these Unsets is you get some really cool lands and the, you know, the lands we're looking at here like are really sweet. We got full art shocks. We got full art basics that look dope. So like it's looking to be like a really cool set, some really fun joke cards because un- unsets are fun joke cards. I'm I'm really excited about this, Matt. Like, are you excited to get some uncards? This is unfucking believable. Is what they're doing. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So wizards in its infinite fucking wisdom, and I'm sorry, I'm legitimately upset about this. I've I was told about this. I found out about it yesterday, just like everybody else. I'm still actually pissed off. I've been in a bad mood for the past 24 hours. 36 hours, whatever it's been. Before you rant, let the people know why you're uh, well, mad. This, no, this is what I'm... I'm prefacing my rant with, this is why I'm so upset. And that I am really upset. Wizards of the Coast has decided that the cards printed in their new unset, and if it's anything like everything else they do, all the unsets going forward, I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, but there's no reason to believe it It shouldn't. It wouldn't be. It's the, the one time alone is enough of a travesty. They're going to be legal in eternal formats. Not all of them. Not all of them. But they, I think they said about half. So half of this unbelievable set are going to be legal. Say what it is. It's a joke set. It's a joke set. Unsets are joke sets. And it's specifically, I wouldn't like it, but like they picked the dumbest fucking thing too. It's space circus shit. It's fucking dumb. Yep, it is. It's the the space amusement park. The space amusement. Just if that was the unset, I would never fucking buy this. That in and of itself is I'm, fucking stupid. I would probably chase the lands. Like, sure. Because these are packs. Like, the, this isn't like the box you buy. Um, I was unaware of this because I hadn't been playing Magic as long. This isn't the like the, the pre-built box. This is packs of cards. Yep. They're <laughs> designed to be drafted. Yeah. And you have a wacky draft experience. Yep. And then you effectively throw the cards away. Yeah, because and they're useless. And that's why they have to have full art lands in them, because the cards are trash. They are. Well, so, they, they literally are, because you use them once or twice, and no one cares anymore. Like, Morrow's been on this huge got to stick up his butt he, he, what i'm getting at is like he's had to stick up his butt trying to like as subtly shame people for not letting you use silver border cards in commander right like he wants these cards to be playable in commander and most people are like they're not real cards and they're not made to be real cards so the answer is no so what did he do yeah made him just, real cards he said hey players fuck you i know better than yeah. you and this is wizard's opinion and it has been for the last 10 years yeah is we know better than you and we're going to do this whether you like it or not and it's gotten to the point where I don't know if I'm going to keep playing Magic anymore. Oh, we're going to keep playing Magic. I'm, I'm not kidding. Ugh. Well, I'm going to keep playing Magic. Why I might... should I? In, I'm not, I've been playing since Tempest. Wizards has done all kinds of shit to piss me off. But they took the game serious. So when they made changes, they, the changes they used to make were at least arguably for the better of the game. Uh-huh. The past several changes they have done have been nothing but short-term profit-seeking, and it's rapidly ruining yeah. the game that I grew up loving playing. Now, I do want to throw some caveats in. One, we don't know if there's any cards in this that are going to straight-up ruin a format. We don't know the cards yet, so there's a chance. Two, these are only going into Vintage and Legacy. And EDH. 
and EDH and EDH. So the two of the three formats I actually play. So um, <laughs> you know, Wizards has only openly declared that only vintage EDH and Legacy are jokes Correct. by putting the joke cards into the joke formats. So those are the two like caveats. Yeah, one, you know, I hate Wizards for making this decision. I I don't believe you know don't hate Wizards for cards they haven't at least disclosed yet. But to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is pretty bad. <laughs> that it doesn't matter that the next Ragavan isn't coming out of this set. It's the same thing with the universes beyond stuff. It's the same thing with the yeah the effective altars. And Jake and I have gotten into this before. The the stuff like the the arcane the arcane the Godzilla secret stuff. The arcane secret layers where they have the alternative printing. I hate those. I think they are the best solution if they're going to do universes beyond, but I yeah. hate them anyways. Personally, they don't bother me that much. But like, I mean, in that secret layer that we just discussed, there's going to be League of Legend cards. Mm-hmm. That is also fucking dumb. Like, well, it's Le- the League of Legend art. I know, the, okay. but the, yeah. the card name is a League of Legends yes. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, yes, okay. underneath it, it says Ristic Study. Mm hmm. But it's still a League of yeah. Legends thing. It's a League of Legends card name. It's a League of Legends art. It's literally ads in my game for another game. Mm-hmm. I can't stand this, and I don't know what to do because I love Magic and I hate Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, they like to me this. We we've both been. Openly, I didn't know this was a line <laughs> until they crossed it, and this is absolutely a line. We've both been very openly against their incredibly predatory sales tactics um i don't like the way they've handled a lot of these secret layers in terms of the unique cards again the alternate arts i don't really care about those can be fomo i don't care it's a weird it's a judge promo judge promos can be fomo i don't care um but the whole the walking dead the these like we're not going to make them again i hate that predatory sales tactic i hate the predatory sales tactics on mtg arena magic has gone from a company that produces a good that i enjoy buying to this company that is very very predatory and trying to try to game the system to to scrape as much money as they can out of people, which is very capitalistic. And I don't hate them for being capitalists. I just disagree with the way they're choosing to do it. And this is just the latest in the line of th- of lines they're willing to cross just to try and squeak as much money as they can out yep. of a product. And because these unsets don't sell well enough. No, they've sold well enough that they can keep cranking them out. Yep, and you can. Tickle Wizard's weird obsession with these unsets. It's gotta be Morrow. It's Mar- I meant Morrow. You can tickle Morrow's weird obsession with these unsets, but apparently they're not profitable enough to leave our fucking formats alone. Yeah, and like, so, so like we're getting the. This is what's pissing me off the most is it's coming at so many different angles. Like I could talk. I put up with a lot of this stuff. I I hate the power creep. I hate the secret layers. I hate the universes beyond. Now there's another one, and it's like how how can I justify giving a company my money mm-hmm. when all they do from my perspective, and I know there's going to be plenty of people that disagree, but when I started this podcast, I told myself I was never going to hold back from what I thought. Well, I'm not a liar. Yep. I fucking hate this and I can't stand giving wizards my money anymore. Well, we made this podcast because we disagree with people. Like it's the podcast got created because we disagreed with most content creators. And so we're not going to stop disagreeing with them now. Um, this is dumb. It and is. I know I keep now, saying the same thing. It's but it's, it's fucking stupid. It is important. I is important to point out that you know the way Matt and I are choosing to aggressively protest this is by not buying it or stop buying Magic in general. I don't ever. I don't want to think we're advocating for people to don't fucking call Wizards. Don't send a bunch of emails. Don't don't get on Twitter and blast Morrow and call him a piece of shit. But with your money, I I this happened like for a second. I like. I was like, hey, I wonder if Cool Stuff Inc. is because I I'm a I'm not 
we're not sponsored by them or anything. They're the first place I go when I go to buy cards. Mm -hmm. I check Cool Stuff Inc. It's one of my favorite websites. I've had a great experience with them. I was like, I wonder if they have a Black Friday sale going. And they did. And it's all foils are on sale. Nice. I was like, oh, I really want to get that old border uh, beast within. Yeah. The old board, the retro frame foil for my Marin deck. And I was like, I'm not get, I'm not spending another dime on this game while this shit's going on. Yeah. And I literally closed the tab. I can't keep giving them thousands of dollars a year yeah. for product I hate. Since we've ranted a bunch, I I'll I want to give the bare details. I'm not going to go through the cards I spoiled or anything. I'll give you the bare details. Unfinity is the new um, unset set in a space arcade circus thing. Um, the big draws to it are these... Uh, well, well, the big draws that were supposed to be there were beautiful full art basics. Um, the ones that like the landscape ones are okay in my opinion. If you guys want to see these, obviously Google all this stuff. It's yeah. it's Unfinity. It's it's out there. His his yeah, article. There's three effectively three sets of land. Yeah, the 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 basic lands like like a space view looking at a planet are beautiful in my opinion, and most of these full art shock lands are amazing decisions. Like those are super cool cards that are super great. So what we're talking about is. Unsets used to be silver bordered, and if you know what that means, if it, the cards literally, instead of having a black border around the face, it was silver, and that literally meant this is not tournament legal. This isn't a quote-unquote real magic card. It's a joke. They've gone away from silver borders to delineate fake cards or these joke cards, and instead what they're doing is the bottom of a card, uh, like a rare, has that little hollow stamp, that little shiny oval. Mm-hmm. That it's a security thing. What they've done here is the the only way to to, to tell the difference between a Unfinity card that is, we'll say, uh, legacy legal versus not, is these are called acorn cards now, and that little symbol is an acorn, and that's it. That's the only thing that delineates it from a none fake of, card. None of that is even my problem. If they all just had acorns and were black bordered, I wouldn't care. Yep. It's the legality issue. Yeah. And the. To be perfectly honest, the kind of backhanded way that this isn't legacy related, but EDH explicitly says that silver bordered cards are not legal. Yep. So what did Wizards do because they're trying to milk the EDH crowd because it's the biggest format? They made them legal. They went, hey, fuck you, rules committee. Yep. We're just making the cards legal whether you want note, to or not. The rules committee has come out and announced that acorn cards will also be illegal. Good. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they made that, a separate statement on that. And but, that was the obvious choice. Yeah, this is, I don't know how you look at this and you pretend for even a second that this is not just a way for wizards to scam more money out of people. Yep, Case it's in point, just a cash grab. This is the first time that we're seeing collector boosters for unsets. And obviously the only reason that would be propping up the price of these packs to the fact that you would spend $30 on a pack that's half full of fake cards is that the other half of them are potentially legacy playable and their commander playable and blah 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 and that's the so everyone has said oh i'm sure there won't be any you know actual format playable cards well, i'm not saying that at all i know i know you're not but i've i've been i spent the past 36 hours <laughs> yeah. reading about this i'm not it's, sure of anything when it comes to watsy <laughs> it's everywhere where they're like oh, i'm sure these cards will suck whatever uh a they've already printed a card that is borderline with, uh, what was it, Saw in Half. They printed a very good card, that's and for it's sure. It's a very good card. It's borderline playable, and it's part of a two-card infinite combo at yeah. instant speed, yep. which each card is three mana. So it's borderline. Yep. I don't think it'll see legacy play, but it's definitely a playable card. Yeah. That's one of, what, four or five cards they spoiled? Five. Half the set's supposed to be legal. Yep. How do they plan on, like, 
So does so, anyone listening to this have any faith in wizards that they're not going to screw this one up? Oh or yeah, a future one up. That's yeah. I don't think I don't know how you look at any set wizards is producing that hasn't been completely spoiled and say nothing will be broken. Case in point, they screwed up the re- the announcement of this. Yeah, and, and they put a fake. They it's they've it's already fi- put a real sticker on a card that was supposed yeah. to have an acorn sticker. it's been it, it's been fixed now but on the release there was the the buy box promo accidentally had a oval hollow foil stamp instead of a acorn hollow foil stamp right yep it's pretty bad it's this is a really this is a really um insulting thing i think for wizards to do or uh, again because in my opinion this is wizards saying these are the joke formats we're putting joke cards for and can at you the, imagine what people would do if they did this to standard um, and they never would because no, but, they care about standard. And that's the so, thing that gets me. You know, you you could you can tell me and Matt that we're wrong for feeling insulted. We're taking this personally. Um, at, at the very least, we d- very strongly disagree with this decision. This is I just I probably disagree with this less than unique cards and secret layers that aren't being reprinted. Well, that's the other thing. But it's close. What do you think the reprintability of the space family Goblinsons is? You think that's just going to be in a it, it Modern Horizons two set if it's it, broken wide the, open? The list is is built to fix that, and so they could try and fix it with the list. But like it low, yeah, it's like they print unsets every five years. Right, it, it's become a little more frequent than that, but it's still it's along those same lines. Yeah, that's where if and, they make a mistake and they print a Ragavan in this set, I was talking to Sarah about it, my wife, and it's like like the reason they're doing this is this makes set this makes packs viable because. You know, you look at a, a joke set full of joke cards and no card is worth more than a dollar because nobody wants them. You know, you don't buy the packs for money. No one does because there's no money in them. You buy them for fun. But you throw a card in there that could be worth 30 bucks. And now it's worth buying the packs because you could pull a $30 card out of it. And, that you know, you're going to have you're going to have invest not investors, but you're going to have shops buying them. You're going to have people that buy and sell buying them and cracking them on mass. This is. And on top of that. The way that the unsets traditionally play with mechanics, I honestly think the likelihood that they screw something up is very high. Yeah, they push boundaries. They really do. Yeah. And I mean, there's been a lot of cards that were, if they were legal, that on their surface kind of looked like they could have been legal. And if they were, would have been broken in half. Uh-huh. I don't trust wizards to, to know the distinction between that. Yeah. It's... Or or to care. Because I... if you look at Merktide, Ragavan, DRC, Urza Saga... Those cards are all broken on the surface of them, and they print them anyways. Yeah, I don't. I really am sad to see the silver border go away because I loved the concept of silver border and that this is Wizard Sandbox to just play with weird shit and just mm-hmm. yeah, print some stupid stuff because no one cares. Like it, you try some fun mechanics, try some new things, and see what happens. If it's broken, it's broken. If people love it, they love it. If they hate it, they hate it. But it was a chance for them to, and I fully expected them to do this, to, not this, the, the premise of make an unset, test some crazy mechanics, and then in a couple years, maybe we see those mechanics come back in a refined way. Because there was a chance for them to put weird off-the-wall mechanics into people's hands and have them play with them en masse and see what people thought. But to have them do it black border, they have to do one of two things. They either have to keep towing that line of making ridiculous, crazy cards, but try and make them okay enough to play, or stop making crazy, unplayable cards and just make another standard set or a normal set. And we don't need more normal sets. I'll be the first one to say that we do not need any more normal sets of magic a year. We have plenty of product every year. And was anybody asking for this? Was there a petition saying, hey, can we make 
on yeah, sets legal and legacy. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of people bitching that they want to play their silver border cards in their commander group, and this that falls back to the whole. Um, you know, I don't think you should. You, I don't think you need to give a shit about the 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 commander committee ban list because I guess if you're playing at uh, your local card shop with random people, you're not playing commander the way it's meant to be played, in my opinion. And if you're playing with your friends, talk to your friends. Most play groups don't care, or at least have like, you play one game a week where you play with your silver border cards because no one gives a shit. Like. Wizards is just trying to work around the rule zero of Commander more and more aggressively to make you play the magic they want to play, or at least to make you to make you play with people that want to play magic the way they want it to be played. Mm-hmm. Whereas magic is at least where EDH is meant to be a format that we play the way we want to. <sighs> I I don't know what else to say that I haven't already said. This is bad. I can't stand this. I'm this really is probably unhappy. the worst decision I've seen Wizards make in a very long time. Yeah, I don't. This is probably going to be one of the things that Morrow gets the most flack about, and I don't know if it's going to matter, but I bet there's going to be a lot. So, hopefully, soon we'll see. The problem a whole lot is, of- I mean, do you think it's well? Well, I say because it's just I, I keep thinking like, oh, it's the vintage and legacy community. Like the community is too small to speak up in numbers enough. The EDH community, if you piss them off, they hell hath no fury. Yeah, like well, a I bunch mean, of sweaty EDH players. It's the same thing. You and I have already done the same thing where it's just like there's no universes beyond allowed in our play group when we play EDH. Yeah. Like that we've soft banned that. Like I'm I will not play against these cards. Yep. Like and I know that's going to sound really like no, whiny or bitchy or whatever. I don't care. I'm not supporting them. I magic is a game and when it no longer I've said this a dozen times, probably every episode, when it's no longer fun, there's no reason to play. Mm. I don't play Magic to make money. Yeah, I've won a couple of tournaments. Who cares? I It was cool because I won, because I played well, and I had fun. But like, if I'm not having fun, I don't go there. That's why I play specific decks. I don't. I never chase the meta. I yeah. have never chased the meta, because it's not important to me. I play my deck. There, I will never sit across the table from somebody with one of these cards and play, because I will concede on the spot and leave. Like I'm, that's, that's if I'm still playing. Like I don't know what to do. This is a legitimate like dilemma for me. I'm getting closer and closer to getting Matt into trying out Flesh and Blood. <laughs> All right. It, so it can't be worse. As we come to the end of our episode this week, is there anything that we have not covered that you want to run through? Nothing in particular. All right. Well, we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network. I recommend everyone check them out. That is looking for anything that is standard or commander related. They're an excellent podcast with excellent production quality, and they put up a really good product. Uh, Their Twitch is twitch.com forward slash planesockers. You can go to their Discord. I'm not sure how to remember Discord links, but it's planesockers on Discord. You can hit them up at, uh, I think it's planesockers at planesockers.com for their email. They're relatively easy to find. They're everywhere under planesockers, and they're um, available on all podcasters just like we are. If you're listening to us, you're probably on a website that they're available on, and check them out. As far as us, if you want to reach out to us, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can follow us at cantripcartel on Twitter, and you can also join our Facebook group, uh, Cantrip Cartel, on Facebook. And we actually started a, a YouTube channel. If you want to listen to these on YouTube, kind of like in the background at home, or, or you know, just want to have a, a different way to access them, I put all these up on YouTube, usually, a, usually on Friday. The podcast goes up on Thursday. I'll probably get these up on Friday, but it's Cantrip Cartel on YouTube. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Not that I know of. All right. Well, uh, it's been a rough week in terms of in terms of magic announcements, but 
you know, stick it, stick it through. We'll, we'll get through this guys and we will see you next week. All right. Have a nice night guys. Oh, I'm going to uh, cast my commander, the, the, the space Robinson family of goblins. <laughs> <sighs> I hate you. <laughs>